Hello, it's Julie Bindle here. A very happy Julie Bindle. On the day that we are able to confirm that we have won our case against Nottingham City Council. You can hear all about it during this conversation between myself and Sean Louise, a feminist community organiser who invited me to speak at Nottingham about violence against women and how to counter it. In particular, working class women and how to organise. So if, if you try to hold this talk in the library, you will be physically removed. And I said, so not just the room booking, if, you know, a group of women go into the library to talk to each other, you're saying we're not allowed. And he said, women can use the library, but if Julie Bindle, your speaker, and you as organisers try to go into the library and hold this planned talk, you're banned. We were cancelled on the usual grounds. Trans activists made a scene. But we've won, and Nottingham City Council admitted that their actions were unlawful and they've agreed to various bits of compensation and have apologised, etc. The thing I think I'm most pleased about is that they have accepted our request, our demand, our condition, that they will carry out a review of the Council's equality and diversity and inclusion strategy and the policies and procedures with assistance from an external body. And they say the council would welcome the claimant's recommendation as to suitable external bodies and will consider such recommendations prior to appointing an external body to support such a review. Obviously, I have recommended sex matters. So watch this space, listen to the conversation and all of those of you that gave your support through crowd justice and in other ways, thank you. They've just released their statement, did you see, on Twitter? I've just seen that it's um, not as colourful as, as, you know, the, the first time they released a statement about it. And I noticed that Adele Williams and the other councillors aren't rushing out to retweet it with their added commentary like they were doing back in June. But, yeah, Funny that. I've read it. I'm glad. Well, I mean, it, obviously it vindicates you as a group in wanting to support, first of all, the library and working class and other marginalised women and their kids. And they should have been really grateful to you for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the really difficult things for me is that, um, as well as an organiser in Nottingham Women for Change, I've been really active in the Save Nottingham Libraries campaign. And the reason that you know, I asked the other women, like, could we host it in the library, was to, to draw attention to that beautiful building and, and bring a new audience there of feminists and women who are interested in hearing, you know, a, a women's rights talk and a, a feminist talk, but might not necessarily know much about the library campaign or that the library's under threat of closure. And, you know, the other women agreed and they were all up for it. And, yeah, Nottingham City Council behaved really badly. But yet they were very happy to welcome um, an event on LGBT history, you know, a couple of weeks later that I organised as well. I did all the work um, and, and and they were happy to have that there. But it, it's just, it was really bad. It was a really bad decision on their part and I'm glad that they've seen the error of their ways. Well, and it has humiliated them and rightly so. And I don't say this because I'm a sadist, but I think the only way that people stop thinking that they are infallible and that their arrogance is curbed is to actually give them a kicking where it hurts. I mean, let's go through, Sean, will we? Um, just about the, the kind of backdrop to this story, because 
It's actually quite straightforward, isn't it? We're both community organisers. You're in Nottingham, I'm in London. We know each other a bit. We've been at some events together. And you contacted me, and I was really thrilled when you did this, back in April, I think, or May this year, to ask if I'd come and do a talk. Just talk me through what was behind it. Tell us a little bit about you and your group and the women involved and the community that you campaign on behalf of. And then what brought you to the decision to do a series of talks? Because this is what people might not realise. You were actually doing this as a part of a whole series of events. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, in Nottingham, there are three community libraries under threat of closure. One is Redford Lenton Library, which is my own local library. Um, I use it. My daughter uses it. Um, The library worker there is somebody I know from dog walking. You know, that is literally my community. Um, The other two are Aspley Library which is the area that I went to school in. It was the the closest library to my secondary school. And Basewood Library, which is another library, and again, a working class area. Um, And that's where I lived when my daughter was very small, and that's where we used to go to get her book, Starbucks, because um, I I legitimately am a working class mother. And I legitimately (laughs) did take my daughter to the library to get free books when she was small, like loads of other mothers do. And that's why the libraries are so important to me on a personal level. And the Nottingham um, campaign to save these three libraries has been really diverse. We've had support from trade unions, we've had support from uh, teachers and schools, and we've had support from like the knit and natter groups, primarily women that, that knit and, and meet in the libraries to talk to each other, because libraries are social spaces as well as places for borrowing books. That's a great name. That's a great yeah. name, though. <laughs> just, just let's pause for a second. Knit and natter. It's brilliant. Knit and natter. I love it. And... You know, we're all coming together and we're doing everything we can. And part of that is things like boosting numbers, getting people in to use the libraries to show that actually, yeah, people kind of forgot about going to the library during COVID. They were a bit worried they were staying home, but these wonderful, beautiful buildings are on the doorstep and we want to utilise them. So I approached Nottingham Women for Change Sisters and they were like, we're up for a feminist talk and we're up for having it in the library and we're up for bringing women into that library space and utilising it. And that was what we did. And then the next talk was, again, a library talk. We showed the film Pride. And we had a talk from one of the original members of Lesbians and Gays Support the Miners. And we called this one Lesbians and Gays Support the Libraries. And, and this is what I've been doing. Um, and I just, I found it really just bizarre that men's rights activists ultimately would decide to, to say women can't meet in libraries and that a, a city council would listen to them. Well, That's and also, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I mean, my, my side of this was... I was really pleased to be asked. Um, I came up the night before because I was doing an interview with someone who was also coming to the talk. And so I thought, yeah, rather than getting up at... In fact, there was a train strike. So I came up on the Friday uh, in time for my interview. So I was on the train by about four and I booked a hotel to stay over. And then all of a sudden I get a message from you saying they're trying to get the talk cancelled. And you'd said this to me before, that they will try, the trans activists will try, but actually the library, the library itself, this is nothing to do with Nottingham City Council at this stage, but library staff, those that booked, those that you booked the room with, are standing firm. And I thought this is great, actually, because the more intimidation that these venues get, and I'm sorry that they get it, but the more that they get and stand strong and firm, the trans activists will have the wind taken out of their sail. That's for sure. Anyway, then at four o'clock, I think you rang me and said, the leader of the council, and you can talk me through this a little bit if you don't mind, 
had actually made a decision to cancel the meeting and it was on the grounds of, you know, I wasn't an acceptable speaker during Pride Month and transphobia, yada, 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 and that it was off. And you had said to them, well, we'll come into the library and have the talk in the library itself as opposed to a room off the library. Tell me all about what happened when you heard it was cancelled right through to when you suggested that we go into the library to do the talk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I was like, you know, I was like, the, the library have sort of made noises that they've had some complaints, but they've looked into it. And actually, one of the, the key workers um, who was responsible for, for community events and, and bookings and so on had said she knew that it was a feminist talk. And I had given her a warning that it might talk about male violence and, and rape and, and her, her things that we wouldn't necessarily want children to hear. Right. So she was very aware of that content. But she said she'd not really heard of you as an author. And when the complaints started coming in, she tried to find out what it was that the problem was. And she couldn't find anything legally that would mean you're not a, a great speaker. She didn't understand. She said it, it reminded her of when people tried to ban J.K. Rowling books from the library. So, you know, <laughs> they're entitled to ask, but then they're not going to be taking those books off the shelf. And that's what she said to me. She said it, it seemed like the similar kind of thing. People can ask, but there's nothing in your published work that she found that would justify it. So she was quite confident that it would go ahead. And... I was like, great, thank you for that reassurance. And then later, um, I got the email saying that the booking had been cancelled. And I called up the head of library services, Nigel Hawkins. And I was like, Nigel, what what on earth are you doing? This is so late in the day. I can't find an alternative venue. You must realise that the inconvenience and difficulty this is going to cause me. And and for why? What is the reason? And he was like, well, we've had various complaints. It's transphobic and it would be uh, harmful to our trans community and the values of the council. And I said, well, is this your decision? Because literally yesterday, your own staff were telling me it was fine. And um, he said, oh, well, the decision has been taken at the very top of the council. I said, do you mean the leader of Nottingham City Council, David Mellon? And he said, yeah. Um, So it was beyond the portfolio holder for for leisure and libraries. And it was literally at the head of the council. And... um, I begged Nigel, I said, Nigel, please, look, let's sort this out. Let's be grown-ups. Get David to call me. He's got my number. It's not like he hasn't seen me at the library campaign meetings because I'm at every single one of them public consultations. He could talk to me about this. He would not take my call. So um, that was it. I got an email and then uh, a phone call with Nigel, who was just not really receptive. And, um... Oh, that's a good bark. <laughs> that Mine's going to start barking in stereo soon. She or he can can add to the atmosphere of the podcast that's fine because you must have felt like barking like a dog when this was all going on (laughs) you know I was just so tired because as you know yourself it it happens a lot women are constantly um obstructed and and there's this pushback when we try to organize as women and put something on for our own benefit there's this expectation that we have to cater to everybody, that we've got to be activists for every movement. And if we want to do something for women, by women, it's it's seen as wrong. And we just get this constant pushback, people trying to cancel off venues, people trying to get us deplatformed. And you get it on a massive scale, but even on a small scale, since this incident in June, and this is what I want Nottingham City Council to understand about the repercussions of their actions. I have a really small women-only book club that meets monthly. And this month, we've um, also launched a slow reading group. And we're reading Andrea Dorkin. We're reading feminist texts. And Brilliant. we're bringing this, uh, you know, on, on, on a 
chapter at a time basis because so many women are working and I have time to read these books and it's intimidating. So we're reading one chapter at a time. And I've had so many people arguing with me, well, how can this be woman only? Are you doing a genital inspection at the door? Why won't you let these people in? What about somebody with this disorder of sexual development? And, and I just find it exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting and it needs to stop. Well, you said, didn't you, that we would just go into the library because, of course, you had these women coming along. And we know, well, first of all, just, just to clarify, and I know this is your position as well, and I'm sure you'll tell me if it isn't, but I know it is. We know that domestic abuse, sexual assault and the like happens in every single community everywhere. And when people try and ascribe it to being a working class problem where working class men are the beasts and they, they do it and middle class men uh, are all nice, we refute that. What we do know, though, is that working class women that are facing male violence in the home have a much harder time to be believed and to leave. So we knew that those women, out of some of those women will be coming along because they want to strategise with others about what's going on for them, that they might actually be in an abusive relationship that they want to get out of, that their kids might be being sexually bullied at school, whatever. And so there was a constituency of women and some, there were young women, weren't they? Because, of course, as some of you will know, listening to this, we did have the talk in the car park and it was buzzing. But they were preventing those women from mingling, mixing and talking with others. And I was one of them and you were one of them to strategize about how to end male violence and keep themselves safe so they stop them and when you tell us what you what happened when you said we will just come into the library space and have this talk this was it and this was part of the telephone conversation with nigel because i was astounded that they were cancelling the booking number one but also i know the library is open um every saturday until 1 p.m so i said well this is brilliant open space in the center of the library where there's the the glass dome we could just come in because we're members of the public. It's a public library. And he said, well, no. And I said, what do you mean? He said, if, if you try to hold this talk in the library, you will be physically removed. And I said, so not just the room booking, if, you know, a group of women go into the library to talk to each other, you're saying we're not allowed. And he said, women can use the library, but if Julie Bindle, your speaker, and you as organisers try to go into the library and hold this planned talk, you're banned. Um, and that was the bit that was astounding to me because he literally said to me on the phone that he was banning women from going into a public library and sitting there and talking to each other. Yeah. And I don't think sometimes they realise how far gone they are. Yes, the optics. <laughs> the things they're saying, yeah. It, it, it is crazy. And then, of course, it was a hot day, a bit too hot to be standing without any shade in the car park. But actually, we were really pleased that we weren't pushed out of the car park. A lot of women came along. Um, despite the fact, I mean, if I'd have bought a ticket to come to a talk, I know it was a small amount, but those women can't afford a small amount. And they, a lot of them came and stood there while we talked. And ironically, partly because there was some, a small group of trans activists trying to disrupt us the whole time, playing music and mincing around like bloody idiots. But because of the way we've been treated, there was much more talk about trans activism and trans ideology than there would have been at the talk. The talk I planned on giving, and it would have been an interactive event, obviously, not a lecture. It was going to be a talk between us. But I planned on talking about how, from a young feminist through to today, I had managed to organise across different communities 
to end male violence in order to give a bit of inspiration for those that weren't involved in feminism but wanted to be. And there would have been barely a mention of trans activism. Yeah. I mean, this is it. We even put in our advertising for the talk that it was going to be Julie Bindle, her work in her words. It was your work. And we put copies of each of your books um, across the, the, the picture for the event. And that included um, the, the book that you wrote, um, your first book about Emma Humphreys. And, and this is the kind of work that I wanted you to be able to have a platform to share with women about. So women could see, you know, real lives and, and real women and, and the work that you've been doing for women like them and women like me, ultimately. Because um, there is this idea that feminism isn't for us sometimes. Right. But actually, working to end male violence is for all women. Right. So, exactly. yeah, that's what it was for. Well, and it is. And the thing is that there are women who are antagonistic to feminism, who think feminism means man-hating, who don't like lesbians, who are mistrustful of thinking that we're all middle-class twats. But they're all welcome to come yeah. and be at that event, to listen to the strategies that we've adopted. Because, of course, we know male violence is a great leveller. Because We know all women and girls have been subjected to it or fear it or both. So this was actually about lifting up the women within that community and getting inspiration from each other. And I was really looking forward to sitting down, having a cup of tea with them, talking to women, making new friends, which we did anyway, because we ended up talking to each other. We went to the pub afterwards, um... And that was great. But what they did was scandalous to those women. And this is what I want people to understand. You know, you're a big girl. I'm a big girl. We do this a lot. Um, I was not in a terrible state personally because someone had stopped me from speaking. I was distressed that that event couldn't go ahead for all of us. It wasn't about personal egos or individuals. It was actually about the fact that women yet again had been shut down and in this case of course the most marginalized women this is one of the things that i wanted to bring into this um i think the talk could have been different different vibe more effective had we had that space and that privacy because nobody wants to disclose personal experiences and, and share tactics really in a public car park but in spite of that the event that we did hold one of the women that was there and it's the woman that, ironically, I know through the libraries. She's a regular user of one of the libraries under threat. And um, not really engaged in politics or feminism, and, and this might have been the first feminist talk that she'd have been to. But after hearing the talk and, and hearing the, the poet that introduced you as well and hearing all of your um, things that you'd shared with us, she decided that she was going to raise a complaint against the police force that she'd first reported her domestic abuse to and they'd not really done what they should have done and she felt empowered to go and raise that complaint so right. that she thinks she's she's hoping that she can affect change and that is actually what people are missing they think that we're here to talk about um trans activism and, and gender and sex but actually every issue for women doesn't revolve around transgender people we have our own lives and we have our own struggles and we're sometimes working on that it's not about you but you just make it about yourself by coming into the park, car park and playing disco music when women are reading poetry about, you know, about sexual violence and they're playing disco music to try and drown it out. I mean, you couldn't make it up. It's so cruel, but that's their tactic. Exactly. And I remember she was, she's a great poet. She's, she's, mm. she's wonderful, very moving. 
actually talking about rape, about direct experience of sexual assault. And all of a sudden, these idiots started playing Beyonce and prancing around. It was disrespectful in in a way that I think would turn a lot of women against trans activism and trans ideology. And they really shot themselves in the foot. And Nottingham City Council really did the same themselves because, let's face it, they thought they could get away with it. We're having a great talk in the car park. We're all interacting. We're angry that we've been censored, silenced yet again. And all of a sudden it came up on somebody's phone, it was probably your Sean, that these two female local councillors had put out tweets justifying their actions and doubling down on the allegations that I, we, were transphobic. And the, the arrogance of those women, just sticking to their guns, well, they must have egg on their faces now. I won't be holding my breath for an apology, um, but it is difficult because um, as part of feminism, you do connect with um, women and a sisterhood who you, you hold each other up and... Um, the, the choice of Nottingham City Council to use two women uh, as the, the front for those statements, or for those two women to put themselves forward and say, we want to be the two straight women who say lesbians and bisexual women who organise an event can't do it in Pride Month. I mean, whatever, if that's the hill they want to die on. But it was really sad to see those tweets. Wasn't it? And enraging as well, because we realised then that not only had Nottingham City Council scored a massive own goal, because already... At that time, I was getting, in the meantime, texts and messages from lawyers and from legal experts and from legal practitioners saying, oh, my God, you've got to sue. You've got to. We'll do it. We'll help. You know, crowdfund immediately because everyone knew straight away. And there's no such thing as a done deal, as a dead cert with the law. But we all knew it was highly unlikely that we could lose a case like this because they'd got the law wrong. It was clearly discriminatory and the optics were terrible. It was, you know, working class women and, you know, speaking personally, a lesbian being told that my presence was unwelcome because it was Pride Month. Wow. Yeah. And this is it. Um, This word intersectional really gets bastardised these days. But I like to think I practice intersectional feminism and it is just because it is who I am. Like, I don't lead a single issue life. I am both working class and bisexual and a woman all at once. And a, a really key thing for me is to make sure that when I organise things, I'm being mindful of who I'm platforming and making sure that voices that don't always get heard are heard. And during Pride Month, I'm not going to um, say lesbians can't speak, bisexual women can't speak, gay men can't speak, or or transgender people can't speak. I'm not going to do that. But I can choose who is really right for our group to to hear from. And that was a lesbian speaker during Pride Month about women's rights. Uh, And all of these things are true. And, you know, within our organising group on that day, we we had a lesbian woman doing security, which we had to to find. And she was utterly superb, of course. Brilliant. Um, another lesbian woman driving back and forth to, to pick up the PA that we had to buy last minute. Ditto. We so heard. Uh, a, a bisexual poet and myself, a bisexual organiser, and yourself, a lesbian speaker. Yeah. You know, there weren't any straight women there in Pride Month. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I don't know why their big defence of it being Pride Month was what they thought would be 
justifiable. I mean, it's bullshit. You know, the holy month of pride now seems to extend over nine months of the year anyway. So I suppose we better just stay indoors that whole time or just identify as heterosexual and then we'll be welcome. You know, the the Nottingham City Council um, statement, you know, they they did, they really, really resisted uh, apologising and that was our bottom line. They really didn't want to apologise. How disgraceful is that? But what's really good is they have agreed, and it was our, our idea, obviously, that they should have training in the Equality Law, in the Equality Act, uh, and in sex discrimination law for their um, their staff, and that we should recommend who does it. So we're going to recommend the organisation Sex Matters to do it. Um, and let's hope they take us up on that. They have said that if we apply to do another talk, they will look at it um, and they will consider it. Well, let's do that is my um, my suggestion, child. I know it's a lot of work, but we'll we'll do the work and just do you know do the talk. We'll we'll get loads of hands on deck, and of course they have agreed because we demanded to pay back the money that those women spent on tickets, to pay back any out of pocket expenses that you have because of course. Like you say, you had to go and buy the PA system and there was loads of inconvenience for you. And um, and that they'll meet out of pocket expenses in general. And they've apologised to you. So what the hell was all this about? And do you think it'll put them off and other local authorities from doing this again? I would like to think it will put them off. Um, I would like to think that local authorities learn when other local authorities mess up because spaces like libraries and community halls and places that are owned by the council and are there for the public to, to hire and smaller unfunded groups like the Knit and Natty groups and like Nottingham Women for Change, they're so vital so that working class communities can have access to spaces to meet and gather um, pubs are closing down like you know all over the place and they, they would traditionally be some of the places that people would gather and um, we, we need these spaces but we can't just have the spaces but then be barred from using them you know so uh, I, for me it's really important that they do take heed and they are welcoming to, to all groups including feminists <laughs> yes and you know just to to end I want to thank you for the work that you do Sean you go all out and you really mean it and you make a difference and I want to thank you for standing firm and also the huge amount of support that you gave me and our lawyers during this time it comes out of your own time and don't think that we don't notice that so thank you, thank you. hope you've been able to enjoy our victory hopefully it should deter all local authorities from taking such discriminatory and unlawful actions against feminists, lesbians and others that are targeted by vicious trans activists. Hopefully, it's a win for us all. Thanks for listening.